Um, but I want to start with, with two simple questions, and these questions have popped out to me as I've studied God's Word this week. These two questions have popped out to me um, because, I mean, this, this text has been very real for me, and so the questions are this. They're simple questions. The first question is this. What does it look like for God to be faithful? This is an important question because I think way too often we expect something or we think that for God to be faithful, and I'm going to get to this in a minute, for God to be faithful, God has to act in a certain way. So what does it look like for God to be faithful? The second question I have is this. What does it look like for us to be faithful to God? This is, this is where God's been dealing with my heart this week. What does it look like for God to be faithful in our lives and what does it look like for us to be faithful to God? So we've talked, this is our fifth week in our Elijah series, 1 Kings 17 through 19, and we've said this over and over again. What we love, what I love about Elijah's story is that it's so relatable. Like there's just like every week I'm studying it and God's just showing me things in my own life, like places where I can say I've been there. And, and that's, so, so as I studied this week, we're going to start with some pastoral confession time. Can we do that? Some pastoral confession? Is this awkward for you when I confess things to you? It could be. I mean, we could get awkward, right? But, but I want to confess to you something. And, and so I'm going to use a term today, and, and that term is highlight real faith or highlight real Christianity. So about five years ago, some of you are new and, and you don't know this kind of past, but five years ago, we were in a place of transition as a church. Um, pastor Bob, my father, had been the, church here, uh, the pastor here for 15 years, and he transitioned to be the district superintendent. And so we were going through a time of looking for the next pastor, and in the meantime, I mean, I was serving here, I had been the young adult pastor here for about nine years, and so during that year or so of transition, I was up here preaching about three-fourths of the time on Sunday morning and about three-fourths of the time on Saturday night, and some of you are like, Saturday night? We don't have a Saturday night service. Well, we did. And so I was up here like preaching a lot, but in the meantime, the church was trying to figure out who is going to be our next pastor, and I was trying to figure out personally, where is God leading me? I know that God is asking me to take the next step in my journey, and so where does God want to lead me? And so it, it was this really strange, confusing, I mean, can any of you just say like, I've been through a year that was strange and confusing, but good and difficult and painful, and wonderful, like that was that year. And almost every week I would get up here and, and preach, and, and I just felt this sense that God was just moving in awesome ways, right here at Westchester. And, and I'm, I'm t like, this is absolutely the truth. I was going to other churches and interviewing to see where God was going to lead me, and I kept saying one thing over and over, and it was from the bottom of my, of my heart. Like, it felt like God was doing great things here at Westchester. And so I said, listen, I don't care where God calls me. God could call me to anywhere. I mean, the other side of the world, it does not matter to me where God calls me. But you know what I want? I want God to continue to do what God is doing right now at Westchester, no matter where I go. Okay, so that, that was my mind frame. Like, I, I feel like God is doing 
awesome things here in the church, so I'll go anywhere, but God, please keep doing these awesome things. Now, it's good that God was doing awesome things, but the problem was I kind of got in a mind frame of highlight real faith or highlight real Christianity where I equated God's work with a certain way that God works. And so I was saying, God, call me anywhere, but make sure I get this. And I want God to move in incredible ways. I wasn't wrong in that. But here's the problem. When when you put God in a box and say, God, this is how I want you to move, what happens is, When those mountaintops, so we've seen mountaintops for Elijah, we saw Mount Carmel, we saw God bring the rain, like when when you think of those mountaintops and you associate that with that's how God works, when those mountaintops aren't happening, it's tempting to think that God's not working. And so here is my confession. You guys are thinking this hasn't been much of a confession, but here's my confession. There have been days over the last four and a half years, maybe weeks, maybe months, where I have thought, hey God, remember what you were doing five years ago? Could we do that again? Isn't isn't that what you do? And there have been moments where I have gotten frustrated and maybe a little bit down, and, and it just seems to me like God wasn't moving because I didn't see God moving in the way that God had moved before. So it left me to a place of struggle, frustration. Have any of you ever been there? Like you've had some mountaintop experiences, you've had God do some incredible things, and then then you come off that mountaintop and you just think, God, where are you? Come on, that was so great. Where are you? That's where Elijah is in our story. Last week, we, um, so, so we started with God providing um, for Elijah at the brook, um, feeding him through ravens, and then we had God feeding him through the widow who had nothing, and God did this miracle and, and fed him through this widow that had nothing and fed her as well. And then we have Mount Carmel where God shows up through fire, and then we have Elijah go pray and pray and pray because God says the rain's going to come, and he says, I'm going to pray until the rain comes, and the rain comes. And then last week, we were at this this terrible place where Elijah has been threatened, his life, um, the, the result of God bringing fire and rain was not Ahab and Jezebel, the, the leaders. It was not them completely turning and saying, oh, we've blown it. In fact, it was the opposite. It was, we got to go after and we've got to get Elijah. And so last week we found Elijah under a broom bush praying to God that his life would end. God, I can't do this anymore. Take my life. And we saw last week that when, when we're at a place where physically, one of the things we talked about last week is that, that when we physically are struggling, God provides. I love the, the story of Elijah is a story of God being faithful and providing and Elijah being faithful and at times struggling. And so last week, God provided when you're struggling physically, sometimes you need a reset, sometimes you need some rest, sometimes you need some food, and that gets you back on track. And so God provided for Elijah once again, and he went on his way. 
But as you're going to see here, so verse 7, this was the end of our text last week, 1 Kings 19, verse 7, it says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So everything's fixed, right? He had a little sleep. He had some food. Everything was fixed. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't fixed. Verse 9. Why don't you stand with me? For I, Jay was joking last week that since I was on a screen and didn't tell you to sit like you guys stood the whole service, I'll tell you to sit today when we're done. But stand for the reading of God's word. And 1 Kings 19, verse 9. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, but the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, but the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword and I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. We have this picture of God showing up in a very different way than Elijah has seen before. Go ahead and have a seat. So the food and the nap helped. Food and naps help, right? You guys like food and naps? I'm, I feel a little bit bad about this, but this morning, um, Charlie said, you know, they don't sleep as much as you. They're not in bed all the time. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm not in bed all the time. I take too many naps. All right. So nap food good it reset his body he traveled 40 days and 40 nights on the journey it gave him the strength to take the next step in his journey but the truth is food and sleep were not enough to fix the bigger problems going on with elijah sometimes our problems are physical and god will meet our physical needs but sometimes we have deeper issues and elijah had a deeper issue and that's this i mean you heard it in what he said he said, I've been faithful. I've done what I'm supposed to do. You've shown up. You've done what you're supposed to do, but these people just don't get it. And they're tearing down your altars and they're killing prophets. And guess what? They're coming after me and I'm all alone. And now they're trying to kill me too. Basically, what Elijah's saying here is the plan is not working. Do you feel that in your soul? Do you occasionally think like the plan is just not working? I love what happens next. <clears throat> God shows up and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love this question. Hey, 
What are you doing here, Elijah? Let's just admit that there are times in our lives that we have kind of a highlight real faith and we think that God shows up in these ways and when God doesn't move in these ways, we think that maybe God's not with us. But God's right there. And he says, hey, what are we doing? What are you doing here, Elijah? So this, this question happens in, in my house all the time. Uh, my kids are angels. You guys know this, right? They never mess up. But occasionally, occasionally something will happen in my household that sets off the end times and one or two or four of my kids will lose their minds. I mean, lose their minds. So it could be like they're playing and one of the kids breaks another one's toy and all of a sudden we've got the broom bush all over again. Take my life, my toy is broken. No, this is messed up, why me? Maybe they just, I mean, it's as simple as maybe they wanted a snack, and I said no. What are you talking about? I'm hungry. I've worked hard today. I've done the right. Why can't I get a snack? Why me? My kids come to this place, and occasionally, I mean, some of my kids will get pretty nasty, all right? They get it from their mother, not from me. (laughs) And then... (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's all from me. Uh, But but they'll get kind of nasty, And occasionally they'll be throwing a fit. Maybe they're throwing more than a fit. Maybe they're throwing a shoe or whatever. I mean, this happens in my household. And you know what I've learned to do as a father when that happens? Like when my kids are out of control and they're just losing their minds. You know, I've kind of grown. I used to get pretty upset. Now I I do this thing where I'll just say, "Hey, uh, hey, Jack, come over here. Hey, Charlie, come over here. Hey, Sam, why don't you come over here? And we walk over to the side where everyone's not looking, and if they're small, not Sam and Eli, I don't pick them up in my arms, but but Jack and Charlie, I'll pick them up and I'll put them on my lap and I'll say, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing here, buddy? Like seriously, you're, what are you doing here? Don't you know that we love you? Don't you know that we take care of you? Don't you know that we will never let you experience anything that that is more than you can? We love you. We take care of you. We give you things. We we love you. What are you doing? And and oftentimes that fit, usually, you know, it doesn't, when I ask the question, what are you doing? I get, you might be surprised, I get emotion. That comes from me. (laughs) And the kids will say, I've been doing all the right things and I've been nice, but but they're messing up. They broke my toy. They're being mean. And I'm I'm all alone. They don't say that, but they, they I mean it's it's just this Elijah moment all, all over again. Hey, what are you doing? What's happening? And all of a sudden, all of the problems of the world come out. They don't feel loved, they don't feel taken care of. What are you doing? And so, so God says, hey, what are you doing? I mean, it's that moment. It's almost as if God takes Elijah in his arms and says, what are you doing here, man? And Elijah replies, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're even trying to kill me too. Elijah's frustrated because the plan is not working the way he thinks it should be working. So there's three things he says. I want you to hear this. 
He says, I've been zealous. I've been faithful. I've done the right thing. Look at what I've done. Then he says, but they, they're acting wrong. They're tearing down your idols. They don't get it. They're killing people. They are wrong. And then the third place that he comes is, I am all alone and they're going to kill me too. So I've been faithful. They're messed up. Oh, poor me. I'm all alone. Basically, Elijah's saying, this isn't the plan. I've been faithful. You showed up. You brought fire from heaven. You brought the rain that you promised, and they're still destroying things. They're still acting up. They're still killing people. The plan is not working. Have you ever felt that? When I'm faithful, when I do what's right, the plan is supposed to work the way I think the plan is supposed to work. I want you to keep showing up this way, because this is what looks like for God to be faithful. And that's just wrong. And so, you know what I find fa fascinating about this? Is that Elijah's sitting here and he's doing the whole, look at me, I'm, I'm faithful, look at them, they're messed up and I'm all alone. He's messed up. I mean, Elijah left his place of serving. He left his post. He ran away. He hid under a broom tree and he prayed, God, I can't handle this anymore. Just take my life. And he's looking at the other people and saying, they just don't get how faithful and good you are, God. And in the same breath, he's saying, I can't handle it. Take my life. And he's broken and he's hurting and he's missed it. And God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? God acts, God moves in, in a different way. So verse 11, Elijah wants the fire, Elijah wants the, uh, Elijah wants the highlight moments. Look what happens, verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. They shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. That's what Elijah wanted, right? Well, I want the big, I want the powerful, I want you to show up this way, I want you to move this way, and God brings the wind, tears everything up, but God's not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Oh, the earth's shaking. It's happening. This must be God. But God is not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire. Fire is something Elijah would be very familiar with. Just before this at Mount Carmel, God brought down fire from heaven. And so fire shows up. And Elijah must have been thinking, there he is. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper and when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. I think there is some real significance in what we see in this part of the story. The, the wind, the earthquake, the fire, those came from God, right? 
Those things don't happen very often together at a certain moment. Like, those were from God. And we know that God, in the past, in Scripture, and even after this, God does sometimes move through the wind, through the miraculous, through earthquakes, through fire. God does work in these ways. But he wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. God came in a whisper. See, sometimes we get caught up in highlight real faith, and we think when God moves, God has to move through the wind and through the earthquake and through the fire. God has to, we have to have these great services. We have to, we have to see God move this way. That's how God moves. And in this moment, God shows Elijah all that, and then he shows up in a gentle whisper. See, the truth is, God's already been in wind and earthquakes and fires, and Elijah still ended up broken and hurting and struggling. But the good news of this is, in his pain, in the dark cave, in his brokenness, God is with him. See, see, God is not only with us on the mountaintops. God is with us personally. God is with us in the struggle. Another way to say that is our God is not only the God of wind and earthquake and fires. Our God is the God of whispers. Our God is a personal, loving God. And so sometimes we can fall into this trap of putting God in a box and thinking, God, we need you to move this way. This is what it looks like for you to be faithful. I think about the highlight reel of our church over the last few years. Can you think of your, your personal highlights? I mean, if you just take a moment and think of the highlights, the mountaintop experiences where God has been moving, think of that, share it with someone next to you. We Get moving a little bit, talk a little bit. What are those highlights? Maybe it's the church, maybe it's personal. What are those mountaintop experiences? Go ahead, share it. Come on, I want to hear you. All right, I can't hear you, but I can can see a little unrest. We're getting there. Man, I think about our church and I think about a few years ago when we, in one week, raised over $20,000 to meet the need of a brother in Christ that we love. I think about our church and I think of our worship night not too long ago where it was just it was just obvious that the Spirit was moving in incredible ways and people were coming to the altar and being anointed. And I think about when the quarantine hit, when the shutdown hit, and we had to go virtual, and, but we had this awesome moment where we all met over in Cole's parking lot for Easter service in the drive-in, and that was incredible. That was a mountaintop. Those are moments that I was like, yeah, those are great. And guess what? God shows up in those ways. God moves in those ways. God brings the wind. God brings the earthquake. God brings the fire. God moves in those ways at times. But if we get caught up thinking that that is the only way God moves, we're going to end up like Elijah, broken and frustrated and hurting. The truth is, not every day is going to be a mountaintop. Not every day is going to be filled with incredible moments. There are going to be quiet times. There are going to be painful times where we just want to hide in a cave. 
And God says, hey, what are you doing? Don't you trust me? I fed you at the brook. I fed you through a widow who had nothing. I brought fire down from heaven. I brought the rain. I fed you under the broom bush. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah can't see it because it's, it's not his plan. He has thoughts of how God needs to work, but it's not his plan. So look at what he says. He says, I'm all alone. I've been faithful. They're messed up. I'm all alone. And God shows up through a gentle whisper. What a, what a wonderful thing. I mean, I love this, that God is not just with us in the parking lot of Coles. God is not just with us on these goosebump moments. God is with you in the darkest place, in the quiet. Tomorrow when you're at work, the next day, God is with you. And God comes through a whisper. And sometimes if we have a highlight reel faith, we can think that the plan is thwarted and that the plan is not working. Okay, God, we saw that, but people are still messed up, and I'm still here, and I'm in trouble. What's going on? Your plan's not working. I love what's next. Verse 15, um, God reassures Elijah that the plan continues on. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel Mahalah to, pro to secede you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So let's just stop here. We're going to talk about a little bit of this here, but, but God says, what are you doing here? God shows up or moves through a gentle whisper, reminds Elijah that he's faithful, and then he says, by the way, just because it doesn't look like my plan is working doesn't mean my plan's not working. We've got work to do. And so he sends him on his way to anoint he says, hey, by the way, there's another that will come after you. And there's some stuff, I just want to touch on this briefly because I think these scriptures are tough for us to deal with sometimes when it says that people will be put to death by the sword. Here's what I think God is saying in this, in this moment. Number one, the plan is not thwarted. I'm still working and I still have work for you to do. Number two, when you think my plan is being defeated, when you think that evil is winning, it's not. There will be justice. And number three, I love the end of it. Elijah's cried out and said, I'm all alone. I'm the only one. And God says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. God says, my plan is still going. God says, justice will be done. And God says, you are not alone. I am with you. And there is 7,000 others with you. You just can't see it. So what does it look like for God to be faithful? See, in our minds, I think we sometimes, 
We get in this moment of thinking that this moment or my life or today is the be all end all. That, that that Mount Carmel moment where God brought fire from heaven, like that's it. Okay, it's over. God, you did this amazing thing. Case closed. It's all done. We're good. But we often end up in the place that Elijah is where he's hurting and he's broken, and oftentimes, even when God shows up by wind and earthquake and fire, people don't live the way they're supposed to live. The world, God can do miraculous things, and people can still go on living and serving other false gods. God proved that the other gods were fake, and right after that, Jezebel says, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. Jezebel still has trust in these, in these other gods that God has just proven have nothing. And as much as we want to say that she's wrong, we come to places where we are lost and we're hurting. Elijah is in the cave. See the Mount Carmel, the fire from heaven, the earthquakes, the wind, it's never been enough. And it's never been God's plan to redeem us. God does move through wind and earthquakes and fire. God does show up in incredible ways, but it's never been God's plan. Why is that? Because it's not as simple as just us realizing that there's something wrong. See, if that worked, then God would do one thing and you would say, oh, I was wrong. God is God. Now I'm going to be holy and I'm going to be righteous and it's all going to work out. How do you think that works out? It's how it works out in this story. The people are still tearing down altars. They're still acting crazy and Elijah's in a cave. That's never worked. That's who God is. It's part of who God is. God shows up. God moves in incredible ways. But it's not God's plan. See, God had a plan. And his plan was, Elijah, yes, you've been faithful. Yes, you have served. Yes, I've, I've moved in incredible ways. But now I want you to go anoint Elisha, who will come after you and continue the work. We think it's all about us in this moment. And if, if God doesn't do this, it's all over. The plan's thwarted. God says, no. You're a part of my plan. And the next part is Elisha. And let me just fast forward a little bit. A little bit after Elisha would come another man. His name was Jesus. That was God's plan to redeem the world. It wasn't fire from heaven. It's God, God brings fire. It wasn't earthquakes. God brings earthquakes. God's plan was personal. God's plan was to send his only son to this world. Not to zap us and show us how wrong we are, but to love us and give his life for us. God's ultimate plan was not to prove us wrong, but to pay for our wrongs. God loves us. And God's not just the God of fire and wind and earthquakes. God is the God of whispers and personal love and faith. So I want you to take out your communion. See, see, God does incredible things. God's in the highlights. But ultimately, God's plan to redeem us 
was not to zap us. It was not to prove something to us so we just had an epiphany. It was to send his one and only son, Jesus, to come to earth and to die on a cross. I want to see 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. We might think, okay, how God should show his love among us is the big things, right? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. This is the body of our Lord. Jesus sat with his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. It wasn't fire from heaven. It wasn't an earthquake. It was our Savior who came and died on a cross, had his body broken. Take this and eat and know God's love for you. And Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood that's poured out for you. Elijah wanted to see a lot of other blood poured out. Elijah wanted to see God show up in this powerful, like, get him, God. Jesus came and said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink and know that Jesus' blood was shed for you. And now the best part, that wasn't the end of the plan. Jesus would ascend to heaven and Jesus would send us the Holy Spirit and now he lives in us. Listen to this, 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and him in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely not on fire, not on earthquakes, not on wind. We know and rely on the love of God for us. How does God be faithful to us? He loves us. He's present with us. In the big times, in the quiet times, his spirit lives in us. And while we could never turn and live right on our own, his spirit walks with us every day so that we can have life. He's with us. Right now, he's with us. How is God faithful? He's with us. He loves us. How are we faithful? Look at the next part. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. How is God faithful? He's with us. He loves us. How are we faithful? We love others. We walk with Christ. I'm a, the worship team's gonna come up and here's what I want us to do. Listen, today, I, I know that we tend to, to gravitate in our minds towards these big moments, these big powerful, miraculous moments of worship and experience and healing and all of that stuff. But listen, today, I, I don't want anybody to walk out of this sanctuary without knowing the presence of Christ, 
knowing that the Spirit is with us. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think, I want you to pretend that you are in a cave. I want you to pretend that you're on Mount Oreb, Mount Sinai, that you're there and you're in the cave and maybe you're not at a place where you're crying out because you're so broken, but I want you today, as we sing this last song, I want you to hear the words and I want you to stop living a highlight real faith. I want you to stop putting all of your trust in these big, big moments and I want you to experience the God that loves you and the God that's with you and the God that feeds you, and the God that gives you rest, and the God that shows up however you need. Close your eyes. Hear the words of this song and know that he's with you and that he loves you.